I love being able to, to be with you two weeks in a row. And part of that is you get a little bit of a role going on and uh, thinking a lot about those Ephesians texts. The Ephesians 1 last week, we talked about the glory of God and being in Christ. And uh, again, this idea of closeness and being close to one another. I love the idea of the two becoming one, which uh, Pat read about and shared with us. And, and I think about the one, right? I, I, the, the one in Christ, we're one together, all of that. There's also the one that you don't want to be, right? There, there, there's guys where you look at an angel game and you go, oh man, okay, okay. I, I got to go and spend five hours with that guy and he's going to talk the whole time and drive me insane and be in my face. And the, there's just that guy. There's people that a little bit of distance is a really good thing. And you're like, okay, I can live, you know, we can hang out, but being one is a whole different thing. I don't know if I can go there with being one. Just give me some space and I'll be, and I'll be okay. I thought a lot about this, this text in light of a picture like this. And I think since about May 25th, 2020, the two have not been one in our nation. And we've struggled with that over and over again. Whether it's the anxiety and nervousness of a culture that seems to kind of be frayed and pulling itself apart, or maybe something that rests in, in our own insecurities, or just the, the, the whole thing. Sometimes when I'm walking out publicly and I see a black person, I'll say, oh my gosh, do I shake their hand, give them a hug, or just kind of nod or what? And before May 25th, I really didn't have that thought. Now I think America's a little bit un, un, ill at ease thinking about, how do you deal with this? How do you talk about this? The weekend of August 9th, I'm flying back to uh, visit my, my cousins. The last Klinkenberg died in my dad's generation, my Aunt Edith. And uh, she lived not far from the neighborhood where uh, George Floyd was killed and Derek Chauvin. It's just a whole, it's just a whole different set of feelings and anxieties. And honestly, it's easy to preach in America when everything kind of feels together. We're all together. It's all good. Everything's great. We can overlook this and overlook that. And this is fine and that is fine. But right now, it seems kind of when, when Paul talks about the two being one, it's kind of a, kind of a, a, a good time to think about how the two become one. And also to acknowledge that the division between people is old. This is a photograph that I got from the book of Ephesians that Paul had done on a PowerPoint that he had set up. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. There's, <laughs> thanks, Dale. In, in Ephesians chapter two, 2, it was Jewish people and Gentile people. And the Jewish people thought of themselves as being superior, and the Gentile people thought of themselves as outsiders looking in. And somehow, if you didn't have the right things done to your skin, then you weren't in all the way. And so Paul addresses that. He says, hey, you guys feel like outsiders. You, you, you feel like it's not working for you. You two are one in Christ, and you got to figure it out. So whether it's Jew or Gentile, black or white, man or woman, whatever it is, to be in Christ is to be one. And Paul leads us to that, and I want to lead you to that a little bit, a little bit this morning. The word of the Lord from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, leads us to think about what life is like without Christ 
as Gentiles were on one side without Christ and Jews were on the other side without Christ. And God brought them together in Christ through the cross because without Christ, there is, there's this. Christless people, homeless people, friendless people, hopeless people, godless people. Paul says we are separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners from the covenant, without hope, without God in the world. And I don't know about you, but as I read that and, and pondered that this week, I kind of felt cold and alone. And I don't like that feeling. I like the feeling of being in community, of being with people, of being connected, of people needing me and me needing people. And what Paul is saying here is that the only commonality that we have that we can start with, whether it's Jew or Gentile, Christian or non-Christian or whatever, the one commonality that we can find is a commonality that we have in Jesus. Because without Jesus, we are Christless, homeless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. And so Paul, speaking to six or seven different churches in that area of Asia Minor, is saying, hey, you guys who live in kind of this melting pot area where when one army comes through and conquers and another army comes through and defeats, you people who are all about a bunch of different ethnicities and languages and all that stuff, you guys are going to find commonality in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's two words in Scripture that I always look for. And, and, and the first one is this one. But. But. Everything stops when he says, but. And in that text, it stops as well. Yet, da, yet, 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 da, 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 da. Christless, homeless, godless, but. But. And wherever there's a but, there's a money verse that comes after it. The second word of that is therefore. And I challenge you to find the therefore in this text as well. Because whenever the word but is there, whatever is before it is negated and whatever comes after it is real. And in this text, what is real is the love of God that points us back to Christ. But. And so we read this scripture. But, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And again, for he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. All that ugly stuff, exclusion, anxiety, isolation, all is gone because in Christ Jesus you were once far away and now have been brought near. I like being brought near. Yesterday was my grandson's one-year-old birthday. Oh, my word. We're going to be cleaning cake out of that little kid's hair until he's probably 18 months old. Near, right? Near. Little guy on your lap. Little guy talking, almost able to say, Papa, 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 Papa. He can say Mama and Dada, but not Papa. We're going to keep working on that. There's nothing like kind of laying out on the floor with trucks. Him reaching out and grabbing my hand or grabbing my nose or grabbing my glass or grabbing my ear, whatever. The beauty and the joy of being brought near. 
One of the things we missed over the pandemic was the power of a handshake and the power of embrace, the power of being near to people. We kind of gave them a, a, a kind of a manic fist pump. Hey, it's okay. Brought near warmth, closeness, love, inclusion. In Christ, you are not far away from God. You are brought near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The instrumentality of Jesus has brought you close to God. And God has not abandoned His people. God does not choose one side and say, well, now if you choose my side, it's all good. Rather, these verbs are active verbs. God's coming down. God's including. God's instrumentality of His blood bringing us to God. There's nothing that we could do that would drive God away from us. There's nothing that we could forget to do that would drive God far away from us. Rather, God has spoken by the blood of His Son that He will be close to us. This morning, it's so powerful that we get to receive the sacrament together, stand in line together, and bless one another together. Because when we receive that blood of Jesus Christ, not only are we one with God, but we're made one with the community of God's people by the instrumentality of His blood. When He died on the cross, Paul writes, He took down that barrier between people. You are close to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And man, if you don't hold on to anything else but that, I have preached a successful message and you have been blessed. God is close to you. Last week I had to laugh. I left these glasses at home. These are my favorite glasses. I left them and and replaced them and I thought I had lost them and I can see just wonderfully through them. I can read the back wall stuff. They're progressive. They're just excellent. They are the perfect lenses. They fit perfect. I love them. Without them, I feel like I'm lost and I'm kind of... But you got to have the right lens to see the right thing in the right way. Paul says here there's two different lenses that you can use to see people. And one is the lens of the law of God. You can look at people who are obedient and disobedient. And there'll always be people who are less obedient than you, people who are better people than you, and you'll look at them, or or people who are worse people than you, and you'll look at them and you'll go, you know what, they're better than me and I'm not getting after it, so so I struggle. They're better than me. I'm just gonna start that slide over, man. I'm going 100 different directions on that. Let's start over. How you look at people through the lens of the law of God means that when we look at people who we feel are less obedient than us, then we can become arrogant over them, superior to them. And that is never a good place to be. And then when we look at people who seemingly have their lives all together and they're these perfect, perfect illustrations of perfect Christianity, we look at them and we become broken. And if we look through the lens of the law of who's more obedient, who's less obedient, we're going to end up in one of those two camps, depending on the people that we're viewing through that lens. So Paul gives us another lens through which to view humanity in ourselves, to view humanity as people for whom the Lord Jesus died. And I love that. 
so I don't have to look if it's a Jew or a Gentile, a black person or a white person, an Asian people or a Latino person, a man or a woman or whatnot. I can look through the lens of the cross and see people as people and people who have in commonality the death of Jesus. I can't help but think of what would have happened in Los Angeles County on March 25th and 26th had the big churches been opened. And the pastors who were able to speak passionately about a text like this would have gathered their congregations thousands and thousands of strong. And perhaps that message of the gospel would have led to worship breaking out instead of riots and looting. You see, that's the power of the gospel working in the hearts of God's people. To view one another through the lens of grace and mercy rather than judgment. May we remember that that's how God beholds us. He looks from the cross at us as those whom he dearly loves rather than those whom he would separate out and isolate. And so as we look at ourselves as redeemed and restored people, that helps us look at others as redeemed and restored people as well. And that issue of worldview may never be more significant than it is now. I love, the, I love when the young people both get ready to go to college as they're going now and when they come back. And when they go to college, they're like, this is going to be great. This is fun. This is cool. We're so excited. And we went to a graduation party yesterday. The young man's going to University of Tennessee, Knoxville. I said, have you ever been to Tennessee? He goes, yeah, it's great. I said, yeah, we'll see in about three weeks how humid it is in Knoxville. And yeah, we'll see. But it's cool, right? They go all the time. And then they come back at Christmas time and their eyes are just bugging out. They're like, oh my God. Not everybody believes in Jesus. Not everybody goes to church. Not like it was at Green and Lutheran High and St. John's. It's crazy. Because they're presented a different worldview than the worldview we present here. And they begin to realize that people look at the world through different lenses than the lens from which their parents, their church, their schools have led them. I love it when they come and talk about, Pastor, I had a sociology anthropology class and they talked about Christianity not being relevant. I was like that, right? When I talk about the relevant, a relevant word from God, how about the relevant word of two becoming one? Of looking at the world through the eyes of grace rather than the lens of race. Looking through the eyes of mercy rather than through the lens of gender looking through the lens of unity rather than the lens of superiority and looking through the lens of healing and restoration rather than the lens of brokenness and victimization. The two are one in Christ. And if our homework from church this week, from worship this week, if I were to give you an assignment, I would say, here's your homework either begin or continue to look at yourself as a redeemed child of God and as God is close to you and look at others through the lens of Jesus' love. And just watch and see what happens because as God's Spirit works in you and through you in the community of your job and work and family and recreation and life, the marvelous gift of the gospel is that the two become one. And that may be the most relevant 
message that the world needs right now. Amen.